What's going on, everybody, and welcome into this edition of B-Shape Daily Live on a Cardinals off day. We're sitting here talking some baseball, and there's a good reason for it, because tonight we get the report. Jeff Jones was first with it. Boots on the ground in Omaha, Nebraska, that Jordan Walker is heading back to your St. Louis Cardinals. He will be joining the team in Pittsburgh for Friday night's game, the series opener in Pittsburgh. Multiple reports now. Jeff had it first. We're going to talk about Jordan Walker returning to the team. Finally, you know, it kind of feels like it's been uh, been longer than maybe really it has been. Just over a month, I want to say, since he went back down to Memphis, or not even back down. That was the first time he's ever been in AAA. But now Jordan Walker coming back to the Cardinals, and we can speculate a little bit about what the corresponding move might be, whether any other moves could be in action. I'll tell you why I don't think there will be other moves necessarily for Friday unless uh, something transpired late on Thursday night. Kind of give you my thoughts on that. And we can talk about anything else, fictional trades, whatever. It's kind of getting into silly season a little bit. Now that the calendar has turned to June, I feel like it's it's a little bit more fair game that we can talk or at least kind of wonder about mock trade proposals and whether certain guys would make sense or not for the Cardinals. So we'll get into all that kind of stuff tonight on this edition of B-Shape Daily Live. Make sure you guys are subscribed on Apple Podcasts to the B-Shape Daily Stream. Uh, Spotify as well is where you can follow the show. Uh, we we don't have as many Spotify followers as we do YouTube subscribers, but that's to be expected. I, I feel like YouTube is just such a behemoth, and it's been really fun building this thing up, and we did cross 1,000 subscribers earlier on Thursday, so that was a lot of fun. Now I have to kind of figure out how to play by the rules for Google and YouTube to get monetized and to be able to put together super chats and all those sorts of features that I would love to be able to add to the YouTube channel soon. But for now, just make sure you are subscribed with the notifications on like the stream and comment with your live thoughts on anything you'd like me to discuss when it comes to the St. Louis Cardinals. We've got eight likes now. I know we can get it to 10, even on a late, late night past midnight on June 2nd. It's now technically Friday. So as Rebecca Black once said, got to get down on Friday. Okay, let's go ahead and just jump right into the comments because I figure they're going to be mostly Jordan Walker related, but we can just kind of have a powwow tonight and see what comes up. Corn's here, Anthony's here, Brent, Redbirds, the grave of Einstein. That's the rundown of the comments that I see so far. Appreciate you guys all for being here. Maybe I edit this to live chat, make sure I don't miss anybody. Uh, Anthony wants me to get my shit together. <laughs> he said, this is James and James for everybody, uh, whose, whose name is Anthony. If you're watching the live chat, James is the guy who chirped me on Twitter the other day with the, uh, the Wayno comment called me a candy ass, the whole works, uh, which was enjoyable. And I had a lot of fun with that, but a- Anthony James, whatever you want to call yourself, bro is correct about this one thing. I do have to get this YouTube live stream thing figured out. I can't keep having the streams crash like this, so I appreciate you guys for sticking through uh, with all that. I'm I'm getting there. It's like every night I learn about something new that I should have changed in terms of settings, um, but we're getting there. So appreciate you guys for being here. Uh, Corin mentions the 1,000 subs. Yeah, we we blasted past 1,000 earlier today. Uh, if you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead and do that, and it'll allow you within 60 seconds to join the live chat over on the side. Um, Charlie Marlowe, big thanks to him because he did tweet me out, or I shouldn't say tweet me, he posted to his YouTube channel, which has like over 6,000 subs, and he did a uh, on-camera video earlier today. So he's doing a lot of Cardinals content too. If you guys like Cardinals stuff, you should already be subscribed to Charlie. Uh, but if you're not, that's my recommendation for you. But yeah, glad to be at 1,000, and we just want to keep going from there. And uh, have, I mean, this has been two months, legit, only two months doing this, and to get to, to 1,000 subs already... Uh, which I know a lot of y'all came from, maybe knew me from Twitter, maybe you didn't know me at all, and you found me on YouTube, whatever the case might be. It's been cool to be able to build it up that quickly, uh, but we're not done here. So want to just continue on the grind, but the main thing is the content. So uh, we'll talk about your comments here. Trace Barrera is a fictional character. That's from Corn. Yeah, I don't know if we're going to see Trace Barrera sent down, honestly. If I had to guess, we're talking about a, a corresponding move for Jordan Walker. It's probably Lars Newpar to the injured list, but it might not be. And, and this is an aspect of it that I'm not 100% on because Monday was the day that he got hurt. So retroactive should only be able to go three days into the past. But I don't know what the consecutive off days, if they have to like 
formally go out and announce any any sort of uh, you know transaction as it pertains to Lars Newpar if they've already done it or I'm not up to date on that sort of stuff. And so I guess we're probably going to find out here shortly what it ends up being. Um, but I'm looking at Jordan Walker coming back and knowing that there's just room in the outfield now to have him out there. And so it makes perfect sense that the Cardinals would choose now to do it. They feel like they've seen some uh, some better approach from him, maybe some uh, a little bit of a, of a gain in terms of, hey, we want you to hit the ball in the air. Maybe he started doing that. We've we've all heard the video, though, where he talked down in Memphis and said, yeah, I'm not really focused on doing that. Again, I think it's more of a discrepancy between what was happening in the batting cage, working with the Memphis hitting coach, with Dan- which uh, is something that Daniel Guerrero for STL Today had written about. And if you haven't read that, I do recommend it. But he kind of talked about the fact that they're trying to get Jordan Walker out in front to make contact with the ball out in front rather than uh, kind of on the, on the backside of the swing where you tend to, to beat it into the ground more. They wanted to get it out in front, get that bat head out, and so you can make contact in front of the plate or, or kind of at the very front edge of the plate and lift the ball more, loft the ball more, and that's naturally what the Cardinals wanted to see Jordan Walker do anyways at the ball in the air. And so that's like the mechanical tweak behind the narrative, right? The narrative is, oh, he hits too many ground balls, which was true, had a very lofty ground ball rate, uh, not to make things extra confusing. He was hitting a, a lot of ground balls is the point, and the Cardinals would like to see him in the air more because they can more efficiently take advantage of his power and of his exit velocity and of his sweet swing if the ball is in the air. And so that's what they want to see for him long-term. I think it's kind of an interesting conversation because how often do we talk about young players when they get to the big leagues and we say, well, he's going to grow into his power. Might not have it yet, but he's going he's gonna to learn that as he goes. It's almost like the Cardinals had these expectations for Walker where they said, we don't have time for him to grow into that in year two or year three. We want to try to manufacture that right now. And so that was part of the idea when they sent him back to the minors. But then you see the struggles that Jordan Walker goes through at the beginning of that stint with AAA. And then you get the quotes from him earlier this week where he says, yeah, I sort of had to abandon ship on that because there's no point in trying to hit the ball in the air if you're not hitting the ball at all. So if I hit ground balls, I hit ground balls, and I'm going to try to move the runner over, and I'm going to try to get the base hit situational. Like, those sorts of things are what Jordan Walker described in the dugout, wherever I guess that was in Memphis, when he had some TV cameras on him, and said, I'm not really doing the, the stuff that the Cardinals had, had asked me to do when, when they sent me here. And I think that turned into kind of a flashpoint quote, even if maybe it was not meant that way by Jordan Walker, the way I read into that is he's still working on some of these mechanical tweaks behind the scenes and when it comes to batting cage work and things like that. But when you get into the batter's box, it doesn't do anybody good for you to be hyper-focused on those things and then sort of in your head about what your swing looks like. It has to be instinctual. When you're in a game and you're in game action in the batter's box facing live pitching, it has to be something that comes with instinct. What's the way that Jordan Walker excels? And in this case... He, he wasn't maybe allowing that or, or having that connection made from what he was doing in the batting cages to I can immediately implement that on the field and have it come second nature to me, have it be instinctual. And I think that's to be expected because these are recent changes they've tried to implement, and those things don't necessarily become instinct overnight. You have to repetition, repetition, repetition. You have to be doing a lot of those in order to kind of naturally integrate it into your swing. And so I think it's a natural process where as long as he's continuing to buy into the mechanical tweaks and say these are valuable things to be attacking on the side, but when I get into a game, I can't sit in the batter's box and think about it, think about the minutia and just allow it to consume me. I think that's what it boils down to for Jordan Walker. And so when you hear John Moselak say, the hitting coaches are giving me great feedback that he's he's making progress in all the areas that we wanted him to, and then you turn around and hear Jordan Walker say, yeah, I'm not really doing that. Like, I can see where Cardinals fans would be able to jump on that. And immediately, my thought was, yeah, this is going to be a hot-button issue. I didn't really give a take when I tweeted it out, but I retweeted the original video, which was Matt Infield, who is a TV reporter down in Memphis. His video got like a a, a million views. I almost said 100 million, and that wouldn't have been true. A million views on, on Twitter, the video that he tweeted out that was like 42 seconds long of Jordan Walker talking about these things. And they, yeah, it took off. But I do believe that when you kind of 
take a step back and you put your pitchfork down. You go, all right, there's probably an explanation for it that isn't Jordan Walker hates the Cardinals and he's flipping them the double bird to say, you know, screw you guys, I'll do it how I want. That's not really what was happening there. And, and Jordan Walker is not that kind of kid either to, you know, he's 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 bold in the way he plays the game. He You know, he's a, a, a presence for sure, but he's also a respectful dude and he's not trying to show up the Cardinals with what he's saying. I think he was just being honest about what he's experiencing when he gets into the batter's box. And that is truly his mentality. It doesn't mean that he's not still trying to make tweaks to improve on the side. But when you get into that game action, it just has to come second nature. You can't allow yourself to be in there thinking about, oh, is this going to go in the air? Is this going to be a ground ball? You just have to go and do. And I think that's sort of what he was describing there. Um, But let me know what you guys think about that because I know there might be some differences of opinion on that prospect. Uh, Corn says it's starting to walk. Tomorrow, the walker never left. It was all a dream. Yeah, I mean, uh, he did leave for a month or so. But having him back, I think, is great for the Cardinals. Keep him here. Don't I don't care what it I don't care what it is. I want to give him the same kind of leeway that I described that they should give to Matthew Libertor. Put him in the rotation for eight starts, you know, whatever gets you to mid-July. Evaluate him over that stretch. And then if you get to the trade deadline for a starting pitcher, you could go, all right, maybe Libertor is not the answer. Maybe he is, and you save yourself a lot of heartache having to find somebody at the deadline to fill that number five rotation spot. And maybe you got to fill a number four or a number three, but I think it you got to take one thing at a time. Give Libertor that opportunity. The same should be said, and then some, when it comes to Jordan Walker. Let this guy sink or swim. And by the way, he's not going to sink. It might be a rough go from time to time. But the thing the Cardinals said they loved about Jordan Walker and the reason that they brought him up to the big leagues to begin straight out of spring training, despite having you know some, some lesser numbers toward the end of Grapefruit League play, what do they like about him? They liked his ability to handle adversity. For such a young kid, it didn't affect him when he was doing poorly day-to-day. He went about it the same way, with the same intensity, without hanging his head. All of these things are aspects of Jordan Walker's character that the Cardinals spoke into existence about him and said, this is the way this guy is. Why, after four weeks then, they decided they had to send him back down because of some perception that he was hitting too many ground balls, which I get that he was, but again, that's just the nature of growth, I think, for a young player. Could he have worked it out at the big league level? Sure. Um, There are people who, very smart people, who say, oh, it was a right move to send him down because they had to address that ground ball stuff. Maybe that's the way that somebody else feels. The way I feel is if you were going to bring him up to begin with, there was never any reason to send him back down. I know the team was in an absolute tailspin, and so it was was kind of the easy move to say, we just can't be worrying about blowing this guy's development if he's not going to play every day in St. Louis with all these outfielders that we're trying to sort through. But since then, you've been able to sort through some of that, right? Tyler O'Neill is MIA, completely missing in action, and maybe never to return again. We don't really know, but he's on the shelf right now and, and with no timetable to, to come back and rejoin the team. So that's one starting outfielder that you had to begin the season that you don't have now, so there's a spot for Walker. Uh, Dylan Carlson, hopefully nearing a rehab assignment, but for right now, they don't have him. And then Lars Newbar is the one outfielder that coming into the year, they knew they wanted to earmark a spot for him in the everyday mix, but now he's dealing with that back. We'll see if that ends up being the corresponding move. Uh, an IL stint for Lars Newpart. If it's not, it's probably Trace Barrera, but there could be any number of things that take place between now and when they make this announcement that could kind of shift their thoughts. It's why they wait so long. They don't. They wait as long as they they are obligated to do so. They don't have to do it any earlier than they do. And why would you? Because you give up some benefit. You never know. Somebody could come up with an injury tomorrow morning, rolling out of bed the wrong way. And so they like to maximize uh, just their flexibility in terms of the corresponding move. So that's kind of where it is right now. Uh, That's my thoughts on the Jordan Walker situation. Going to take a quick drink, but want to remind you guys to subscribe to the channel. And if uh, you do, within 60 seconds, you'll be able to join the comments section. But it's been a lot of fun getting over 1,000 subs. Let's keep grinding. If you're here and new, welcome in. Comment once you're subscribed to tell us that you're new and you're here. I'm going to grab a quick drink, and we'll continue back into the comments section after that. All right, party on. Uh, Redbird said Jordan going oppo, and it was a beauty. Uh, Yeah, Jordan has looked good. I mean, I'm putting the numbers up on the screen. Might be a little small to see, but I didn't have a box score for us today, and so this is what we get. He's got a 746 OPS. Uh, Might be able to see it there on the screen I hope, 
or am I am I needing to scroll over to make sure that's visible? He's got a 746 OPS in Memphis, and that was after the game on Wednesday. Yeah, because he didn't play on Thursday. And uh, Jeff Jones was actually in Omaha to be able to find that out, that, oh, hey, Jordan Walker is not here. Maybe that suggests he's heading somewhere else. And so that's the way that kind of breaks down. A 746 OPS in Memphis. Uh, lower batting average, but again, it was a really, really low batting average. He was striking out a ton, 37 strikeouts, or I should say 32 strikeouts for Walker uh, in 29 games down there. Had 135 plate appearances this season with Memphis, uh, which is considerably more than he had with the Cardinals before he went down there. But I think that you saw enough from him in the recent days to be like, all right, he's figured it out. He's back kind of the way we expect Jordan Walker to look. But you look there at his numbers in the big leagues, a 274 average. He was making decent enough contact and uh, just didn't have a ton of power. And so that's part of it, right? They want him to be a guy that can come up with some more power and uh, just two home runs and 78 plate appearances, basically identical on the slugging percentage in Memphis. But again, it was a really, really bad stretch. And then he turned it around rather, rather quickly in order to get to the uh, 746 OPS number. If he had a 746 OPS in St. Louis, honestly, I think I think that's something that I would take at the end of at the end of the day. Last year, Nolan Gorman was like seven eighteen or so for his OPS. That's right around where Walker is right now. You can't immediately just expect a guy to come out and be gangbusters and be you know an All Star caliber player as a twenty year old uh, now twenty one. Walker did have his birthday in late May, and so he's twenty one now. Was twenty the last time we saw him with the Cardinals? Seven fifty OPS or so. I think you take that, but. I know Walker is going to be striving for more, and it wouldn't surprise me to see him beat it, honestly. But I said I was getting into your comments, so let's go ahead and make sure that we do that. Four more likes, though, to get us to 20 likes on the stream. Make sure you like it and subscribe. And go ahead and comment. Jump in. The water is warm. Uh, Corn says, well, that was about his YouTube notifications. Yeah, midnight streams have become uh, the way of the world here on the uh, Brendan Schaefer YouTube channel. Uh, we talked a little bit about the grave of Einstein coming up with his name, said there is no cool story behind it, but I did like the username. Uh, and then he asked, what do you think of the roster move for Walker? Will it be Newt Barr to the IL or an option for somebody else? Yeah, I mean, there is a realistic scenario where you can look at some of the guys like Yepes in particular. I don't think they're going to option Burleson is one of the guys you mentioned there. But Yepes, if the Cardinals aren't going to use him, and they've kind of trotted him out there to take some at-bats so far. He hasn't really done a lot with his opportunities so far this year offensively, and I don't know if you can account that for the sporadic playing time or what necessarily you would blame for the sort of slow start by Yepes, but a 679 OPS, he's only hitting 225, not getting on base, not drawing many walks, just two walks in 43 plate appearances. We've seen a little bit of the power. He's slugging 400, but that's not with the 85 OPS plus. He's 15% below league average for his position, which I don't even know what position they quantify him as. Probably an outfielder, but it just hasn't been great. And you don't trust him defensively is the other aspect of Juan Yepes. And so I feel like for the Cardinals, if they're not going to use him, it might make sense to option him. Moises Gomez had another home run today. I think he's homered in like four or five straight games for Memphis. I would have, I would honestly make that switch to Moises Gomez uh, rather than Juan Yepes, but Gomez played tonight, and so unless he got right on a plane and is and is on his way, probably not going to see that move. But my point is, both of them are, are kind of guys you don't trust very much defensively in the outfield, but you do have intrigue surrounding the bat in both cases. I think I think Moises Gomez is somebody that I'd be almost a little more intrigued to see right now than Yepes. If the Cardinals aren't going to use him and he hasn't really been performing, maybe that's the way you kind of spice things up. Because, again, it's not Juan Yepes' fault that the Cardinals aren't producing offensively over the past week, but they're not producing offensively over the past week, and you might as well try and change some things that aren't working. Um, Barrera is the other obvious name. I, I mean, I just don't I don't really understand it anymore. I never did understand it too much. Once Wilson Contreras rejoined the ranks of the Cardinals' catching core, it didn't make sense to have the third catcher here. We have beat that to death, and yet the Cardinals still keep it the same. And so if I was speculating on what it would be, the move that gets Jordan Walker onto the active roster, 
like I would lean toward new bar injured list just because those things that you think aren't going to be that severe end up, you know, it ends up taking a little longer than you had initially hoped. And in the case of Carlson, like they waited the three days to see whether Dylan Carlson would need the IL and he's still out. That's been multiple weeks since that happened. So it's not to say the injuries are identical. Dylan sprained his ankle. We're looking at a, a back spasm situation for Newt Barr. He looked like he was moving a little bit better on Tuesday relative to, to when we saw him after the game on Monday night, talking about Lars Newtbar. But, you know, we don't really know what it's looked like over the two days since. And then you you fly to Pittsburgh if he's still on the on the active roster and you see how it feels. Like, it's a lot of just kind of test and wait and see when it comes to back injuries, I feel like. And so I, it's really hard to kind of speculate. But the fact that they do make the move for an outfielder kind of suggests to me that it would be a new bar IL. Just because if it wasn't, was it just the home runs that he's hit recently? Speaking of Jordan Walker, is that the reason the Cardinals would bring him up? Is it the narrative surrounding his situation because he goes viral on social media for basically kind of telling the team, eh, you know, I'm not really, they, thanks, but no thanks when it comes to the stuff that, that you wanted me to work on, which again, I don't think is entirely what he was saying, uh, but that is definitely how it came off. And so would, would the Cardinals and John Moselak go, well, the narrative's out there that, you know, he's kind of bucking the trend on what he wants, what, what we're asking him to do. Are people going to say that now we are holding that against him as a reason not to bring him back and we'll prove those people wrong by... I don't know how many mind games are really going on here. A lot of times the simplest explanation for something is the one that, that ends up being correct. So probably new bar IL with, if I had to wager money on it would be my guess, but I would, I would love to see it being something else because the Cardinals, I mean, new has been their most consistent outfielder and uh, they would, they could definitely use him. And again, positionally having Walker come back to play your outfield is not a comparison it's not comparable to what Lars Nupar brings. Lars Nupar is capable of playing center field and plays a very good right field. Jordan Walker is going to be bad in the outfield. He just is. Um, he, he hasn't had that many reps. He's only been playing the position for 10 months. It's not going to automatically look very smooth at the beginning. I believe ultimately it'll be fine. He's a he's an athletic guy, and I think he's going to be able to figure it out over the course of his career. If the Cardinals want to make him a corner outfielder, I think he will adapt to that nicely. But He's had one offseason working as an outfielder. It only started last August after Harrison Bader was traded that the Cardinals put him into that position. And so my expectations are low for his defensive acumen at this point in time. And then if you don't have Lars Newtbar, who you feel a little bit more comfortable with playing next to him in center field, if that's not an option because of the IL, you're talking Oscar Mercado, who has admittedly struggled. I was excited about Oscar when he rejoined the Cardinals, but we have seen him kind of fall off a little bit in terms of his crispness defensively and the numbers offensively haven't been great. And so you would basically have a guy that you're putting out there in center field that has, has made a couple of lapses defensively and he's not giving you a lot at the plate, or you can throw Tommy Edmond out there in center field. He's played one game. There is a gold glover on the infield. Uh, Brennan Donovan can play left field or, or Burleson based on, you know, I would say based on the matchup, they're both left-handed, but Donovan can basically hit either side, and I don't think they'll want to match up Burleson against left-handed pitching. And so maybe that's the way you treat your left field situation. It's not a deep group, to be quite honest with you right now, in the Cardinals outfield. And so if it is a new bar IL, my only point with that is it, defensively, I'm going to have questions about the way they want to approach it. And honestly, it's a shame, too, because with the way that Paul DeYoung has been hitting, it's not a lot, uh, something that we have talked a lot about, but he is over his last 21, is Paul DeYoung. And so... Honestly, under normal circumstances where you didn't need Tommy Edmond in your outfield, you would probably want to plug Tommy Edmond back at shortstop on occasion and give Paul DeYoung some days on the bench because what tends to happen with DeYoung is, oh, wow, he looks like a world beater, and then they just ride him, they ride him, they ride him, and he breaks down, and then nobody seems to notice until it's too late that, oh, yeah, Paul DeYoung hasn't gotten a hit in 40 at-bats. Oops. And it's like they don't give him... They continue to treat him like he's this world beater who needs to be in the lineup every day instead of kind of managing him as the the slump goes so that maybe you can curtail that slump a little bit more in order to keep it from getting out of hand. So we'll see on Paul DeYoung what that ends up being. But like if they need him to play shortstop because they need Tommy Edmond to play center field, suddenly it's getting a little bit weird when it comes to the Cardinals defensive alignment. But Bottom line, whether it's a new bar IL or not, Jordan Walker should be in there in right field or at DH 
every single day for the Cardinals until he needs a break because he's tired. Like, that's really what it needs to be for me. Um, he's a guy that can be a difference maker, but you, you just got to trust him through the good times and through the bad times to be able to get to the other side and, and let him develop the way that is proper. They finally are starting to do that with Nolan Gorman. I think the same thing needs to be done when it comes to Jordan Walker, two top prospects that can absolutely end up carrying the Cardinals this season if they just kind of allow it to happen. I still think there's room for Jordan Walker to make a huge impact for the Cardinals. Let's go ahead, though, and jump back into the comments here. Uh, Brent says, I know people are saying we should not go get Bieber because he isn't a strikeout guy anymore, but he is kind of the ultimate Moselock ace. Yeah, I kind of understand where you're coming from on that, Brent. And, and yeah, I've seen a lot of the like StatCast, uh, baseball, whatever it's called, graphs about like hard hit and different things. He's not missing as many bats. It's, uh, the peripherals, they would call it, are not as good right now for Bieber compared to where they've been at previous points in his career. I'm a little worried about what that means, though, because if the Cardinals are paying in a trade for the name value of Shane Bieber, and they're maybe not going to get all of the elements of him that made his name so refined and, and, and renowned is the word I'm looking for, then maybe they overpay in that trade and don't get the results. That would be the concern. I still think Shane Bieber is a good pitcher, what would end up happening, though, is they'd trade for him. There'd be a couple of names that you that you give up in that trade where you go, oh, damn, that one hurts. Like, that. That the repercussions of that, is that the next to Rosarena? Is that the next Adalas Garcia? Is that the next? Is that the next? Is that the next Zach Gallen? Like, you're probably giving up a pitcher or two in that deal as well, along with maybe a Tommy Edmond or a, or a Brendan Donovan. Like, guys that I personally, if I'm, I'm entrenched in Cardinal land, I don't want to trade those guys. I know a lot of Cardinals fans think they're superfluous and they're extra because, well, Mason Wynn's coming and Paul Young has been, you know, I'm telling you, the minute they trade a Tommy Edmond or a Brendan Donovan, it you're going to notice it. You're going to notice it because the guys you thought you had to cover the shortstop spot or to be depth behind Gorman at second base, it isn't going, it, some, someone's getting hurt. Someone's going to, you know, Paul Young is going to completely fall off the face of the earth. Like, those are the sorts of things that can happen. So I feel like Cardinals fans a little bit are tempting fate when they say, trade Tommy Edmond. We got all these shortstops. I'm telling you, it's not something I'm on board with. I got to pick my spots. When it came to Lars Newbar a couple of years ago, everybody and their sister said, hey, we're trading Lars Newbar to get Frankie Montas. And I was, again, I said, nope, wouldn't do that. Wouldn't do that. Don't trust. It, it Actually, even at the time, it wasn't even about Frankie Montas's shoulder as much as it was. I just thought Lars Newtbar had more value to the Cardinals than people realized at the time. I'm I'm going to kind of stand out front when it comes to Tommy Edmond and even Brendan Donovan, who I think offensively the numbers are going to get back to closer to what they were last year. Kind of had a rough spell, but I think he's starting to come out of it. And you're seeing him take some of those really quality at-bats. I was very impressed by the A-B that he took against Aroldis Chapman. It's a tough lefty and he grinded that at bat out and then lofted a line drive over the shortstop's head in a in a tough spot in the eighth inning on Tuesday. That's Brendan Donovan. He is a He's a gamer. He's a ball player. He's not a guy that I would trade for pitching because pitching gets hurt. Brendan Donovan's going to be there for you every day. He's a, he's a grinder. He's going to grind through an injury. He's going to give you good at bats. He's going to give you good defense wherever you put him, and they'll trade him for a pitcher that gets hurt. I don't recommend it, and, and maybe this is just talk for no reason, but I want to kind of address the way Cardinals fans are thinking and feeling, even if it's realistically not something that I expect the team to do, which in the case of trading Donovan, it's not. I could see the team getting kind of suckered into trading Tommy Edmond. And the reason I say that is they said he was their shortstop, right? That was the narrative of the offseason. We trust in Tommy. He's our shortstop. It didn't take much for Paul Young to take that spot back from Edmond. And I, it's almost more fair to describe it as a credit to Tommy Edmond and his versatility because Paul DeYoung doesn't have that in his bag of tricks. I think the Cardinals, it was, it sounded nice to say in January that Paul DeYoung's going to have to learn to play multiple positions again and be that utility man, because that's the role that he fits on our team. It sounded really swell when they said it, but it was never realistic. I don't think, I don't think they thought very deeply about, well, does Paul DeYoung have the, the aptitude to do that? to handle position changes on the daily and also get the most out of him at the plate. 
I think the Cardinals kind of realized eventually that now he doesn't, but you know who does? It's that Tommy Edmond guy. And so I don't know whether to look at the team's view of Edmond as, oh, they really like him and they like him so much that they know they can move him around to a bunch of positions or, well, they, they're moving him around to a bunch of positions because they just kind of are taking advantage of, of the situation and maybe they think he's expendable. Like, I don't know what the view is. I think it's closer to they really believe in him and they're they're fond of the guy, but they would also be fond of having an ace starting pitcher. And so if, if they find out they can get the right ace for an Edmund and then pitching prospects to go with him, throw in a Yepes and a Burleson, like I'm not saying the Cardinals wouldn't do that. I just don't know that the situation is or isn't going to line up. So it's kind of my thought process about all of that. Um, I know you asked a question about Shane Bieber, but it kind of launched me into a thought process of what could it take to trade for a potential ace and, and Bieber, Dylan Cease are two of the guys that are kind of on that list in terms of uh, trade deadline possibilities. And I, I, yeah, I think the Cardinals could be interested in both of them. I think it's just going to be costly regardless. I, even if it's Bieber where you say, oh, well, he's not a strikeout guy anymore. I'm telling you the name value feels like a guy that unless he really falls off and the ERA gets to four and it's like, ah, let's just get what we can for him. I still think you're going to be paying out the wazoo for a guy like Bieber. Uh, Brent wants me to rank the value of Mason Wynn, Brandon Donovan, Tommy Edmond. It's a very, very difficult question. I'd say around the game, you're going to get the most value out of Mason Wynn. And that could be wrong because Donovan and Edmond are both proven guys that can be putting up crooked numbers in the woods above replacement category. They've got flexibility in terms of their defensive position. Um, they both have good, good skill sets at the plate. And so it's really hard to separate it out. I feel like Donovan might have more value than Edmund um, because he's a little further away from arbitration, a little further away from getting a big contract. Maybe not as deserving of the big contract, though, because Edmund's got better offensive numbers, but we don't want to be prisoner of the moment from a two-month sample. I, I feel like teams around the game, like they were very intrigued by Donovan in the offseason. We didn't hear as much about trade value of Tommy Edmund in those little rumors and reports, which maybe doesn't mean anything. It, it could just be that the Cardinals weren't really floating him or teams didn't presume that they would. And so it was like, hey, maybe we can get a Donovan. Like Donovan's got a lot of team control. That's what it boils down to in terms of the value. And so it's not that I think Tommy Edmonds' value is low. And it may be that the teams that really want Edmund may, you know, not want Donovan as much or vice versa because Donovan's not really a shortstop. And there may be teams that believe Edmund is a, a good, capable defensive shortstop. Other teams may say, eh, I'd rather have a guy with a bigger arm at short which is why I go back to Mason Wynn and say that even if offensively it's not come around yet, he's younger, he's got all six years of team control remaining, he's he's an untapped resource in that regard, and the upside, I think, is tremendous for him to be the, you know, offensively he may still never reach that goal or that ceiling of being one of those, like, faces of the game type of shortstops. As, as much as I like Tommy Edmond, he's not like a face of the game shortstop like some of these other guys that have come through you know, think of like a Tim Anderson plays with flair and uh, makes good throws, good plays at shortstop, but can do it with the bat as well. I'm not comparing Mason Wynn directly to Anderson in terms of body type, or but you think about the star shortstop of, of the day and the guys that just get a lot of publicity. I think Mason Wynn plays with that flair to be a, a, a face of the game if he can get the bat to join the, the arm strength and, and all the things that I think he could already do at the big league level defensively. We're one like away from 20. We'd love to get us up to 20 likes and appreciate you guys for joining. We've picked up a few viewers even as we approach the 1 a.m. hour in the central time zone. Would love to have you new guys subscribe. And when you do, comment that you're here so I can welcome you to the stream. Um, Jake wants a timetable on Tyler O'Neill. Yes, so do the St. Louis Cardinals, Jake. They don't. They don't know. I don't know. I don't even know if Tyler O'Neill knows. It's it's a I would say it's a problem if it was something that anybody was really stressing about. I just think it's it's gone beyond the point of being stressed about it for the Cardinals, and they're they've written him off. I mean, I'm just gonna be honest with you that that's the way it looks to me. Um, because mentally you almost have to. You have to get over that hurdle of will he or won't he and just assume that he won't be there. And then if you find out otherwise later, you can consider it a bonus. I honestly think that's the way the Cardinals have sort of approached it when it comes to this Tyler O'Neill situation. Uh, Anthony wants to see Luke and Baker involved in a trade package. You don't have anywhere to play him, but he can hit, and teams need that. I'm not saying he's a centerpiece, but I think you can involve him. 
the problem with the trade value of Luke and Baker is is that he's 26 years old, and so he's not really considered a prospect. I think it's I, I think that can get a little bit tricky. Like he has all of the other things that I described about Mason Wynn, team control. Like he'd have six years. He's never been in the big. All of these things would be true, but doesn't have a position. A team could put him at first base. The Cardinals can't, obviously, but there are others who can. And Mike wants to know about the Luke and Baker plan as well. So we're launching into that a little bit here. You know what? It just seems like the Cardinals do not believe that this is legit, what we're seeing from Luke and Baker. Um, Or if they do kind of believe it might be legit, they are not compelled enough by it to move mountains at the major league level to make it happen on a day-to-day basis to get him into the lineup. Like, you've already got this question of, is uh, is Nolan Gorman going to be your second baseman or your DH on a given day? If he's the DH, then you basically have no spot for Lucan uh, because Goldschmidt is mostly going to be the first baseman. And Goldie's going to DH when he's not the first baseman. Yes, there would have been a few opportunities in recent weeks for Luke and Baker to play first base because they kept DHing Paul Goldschmidt. But I don't know if that's going to be their long-range plan. And if it was, then sure. Luke and Baker already should have been here for Trace Pereira. But I just don't know if the Cardinals believe that what Luke and Baker is doing, which is remarkably impressive, homered again tonight, OPS over 1,000, has increased the walk rate, which you'd think there's some sustainability behind that. I, I don't know if the Cardinals are going to bring him up, but Anthony, I agree with you. Package him in something. I Again, don't know how much value he has, but almost for Luke and Baker's sake, get that guy out of here because – he should go somewhere at 26 years old. He's not getting any younger. He's already kind of too old to be considered a prospect. That ain't fair to Luke and Baker, to be honest. And I don't know if around the game there are people that do or don't believe in it, but we see these big dudes, the, the Daniel Vogelbox, the CJ Crones, those type of guys, they just mash. Like, get Luke and Baker to go DH for the Colorado Rockies, and let's just see what it looks like. That's what I would say. Um, but I, I, do, I just don't know how much value he would add to a trade um, because he's not going to be the centerpiece like Anthony mentioned. It's more of like a reverse engineering where the Cardinals already know we're trading with Cleveland because we want Shane Bieber, or we're trading with Chicago because we want Dylan Cease. Do those teams happen to want Luke and Baker? If they don't want him at all, then he adds virtually no value, and they probably won't take him. It's not like MLB The Show where you can say, well, his player rating is 67. Maybe they just take him. I, I just don't think they they'd have to have a place for him if they wanted him. Uh, but he deserves to be somewhere. I completely b- believe that he deserves to be somewhere. Um, but we'll see, man. I, everybody's starting to beat the drum. You're hearing people talk about it more and more when it comes to Baker. And I would absolutely love to see it. It would be it would be cool to see him in St. Louis just getting a shot, right? Uh, and Jim the Cat Hayes said, give me five days. Give me five games of Luke and Baker just to see. Um, I don't know if we'll see it. Same with Moises Gomez. I know Mike had asked about Moises Gomez. Uh, again, it seems to me that you could already be bringing him up very easily because he's on the 40-man. That would have been a move that I would have made a week ago. When it, And if we had done that, we had seen the Cardinals do that, it would be no 4-5 home run game hitting streak when it comes to Moises Gomez because that's what he's done in recent days. But now that it's happened, get him up, Trace Barrera down. It's not anything against Trace Barrera, but they don't have a use for it, and they could make more use of a guy that can mash off the bench than having a third catcher. Like, I still maintain that. It's not an overly complicated evaluation. I think it's just the way that it is. But whether or not the Cardinals end up using either of those guys kind of remains to be seen. It really does. Um, Yeah, Brent says that Jeff blocked him on Twitter. Man, you must have mouthed off. I don't know what to say about that. You'd have to go back and check. Anthony says, I'm okay on the Beaver move going to be honest always the first to say they need to stop harboring prospects but i'm sorry i'm not giving the farm for bieber he's on a rapid decline yeah it feels like a ticking time bomb doesn't it that the, the team that trades for bieber is going to go ah crap we over we overpaid he's actually as the peripherals would say more of like a number three or a number four in your rotation and the cardinals already have five of those they got plenty of number threes or fours so they're good uh corn says if the price isn't crazy i mean yeah it's just that's what's tough. Anthony mentions all the pitching prospects the Cardinals have. Guardians need hitters, um, so I'm not her- sure how the package would look. Visual Tedium mentioning that Moises has nothing left to prove at AAA. Yeah, 
it seems like this is the case like almost every year for the Cardinals that they've got a couple of young guys that, you know, there's a reason or another that they don't quite fit at the major league level, but they don't have anything to prove in the minors. It was kind of Juan Yepes last year, right? And now we're seeing Juan Yepes here. He's not getting a ton of playing time. And then you've got two more guys basically just like him in terms of uh, their lack of defensive flexibility and acumen at their given position in terms of Gomez and, uh, and Lucan that the Cardinals, it would feel like they would almost have to say we are giving up on Yepes or we are delaying further opportunities for Yepes in order to try out these other guys. And it feels like they're reluctant to do that unless they really legitimately think there would be an incremental gain to doing so. How they don't see the incremental gain of having a legit hitter off your bench instead of Trace Barrera, who just, I mean, the, the dude has flat out not played. I don't know how they can continue to justify it unless there's something more going on behind the scenes with Contreras that they're still kind of iffy about. Like, I don't know. I'm grasping at straws at this point to explain the Barrera situation. And again, it's not about Trace. It's about the roster construction and the way he's being used. Greg Palermo mentions that Trace has to be the corresponding move if it's a single transaction. I would agree with that unless it's just as simple as Lars Newpar. If that's what it is, then you'll just see Newt to the IL and uh, it'll be Jordan Walker up. Anthony says he does enjoy the podcast, whether I believe him or not. Uh, says it's good for St. Louis. We need this be safe. I appreciate you, Anthony. Even if you give me some crap sometimes, I do appreciate it. Um, Grave of Einstein wants to know about Paul Blackburn. All-star last year, pretty all right starter, can never stay healthy. Um, well, let's go ahead and pull this up. I want to see if I can get Paul Blackburn's stats up on the screen. Uh, right now, I've been showing the Jordan Walker numbers throughout the course of the podcast, but maybe, and, and you guys know how this goes when I try to do this kind of stuff on the fly. Uh, the answer is it usually goes incredibly poorly, but want to give it a, give it a shot. The old college try, as we say, just get in there, do what you're supposed to. There we go. Um, well, he's hardly pitched this year. And I, and, and you may have referenced that um, just had the one outing, you're looking at his numbers from last year. He had a 4-2 ADRA in 111 innings. Um, pitched decently well in his first start of the season. Walked a couple, struck out six over four innings. Gave up a run for a 2.25 ERA. Yeah, I've got to be honest. That doesn't really excite me too much. Um, he was an all-star last year. He must have had a really good first half. Ended with the two, uh, the 4.2 ADRA. Yeah, I just don't think the Cardinals need more number four starters, honestly. But I get your point, Einstein. They might, in 2024, need another guy like that because they don't have answers. They've signed Michaelis, who I think we're all kind of back on board with, and Steven Matz is the other guy signed. Nobody's on board with that. He's in the bullpen now, and hopefully Friday, you know, they, they say that's going to be the plan, and, and Libertor is going to get the opportunity. Another thing to think about, guys, is if Libertor is not in the rotation, they could conceivably call up a pitcher. I don't know if anything came of the Andrew Suarez deadline. Uh, Left-handed reliever, veteran guy, used to be for the Giants. He's been in Memphis. Has like a four-some-odd ERA, but that has been inflated artificially by like two or three bad games. Other than that, he's been really good lately. We're talking about Steven Matz to the bullpen. This is not something that I think is going to happen, but I want to throw out the potential scenario just in case because I haven't seen anybody talk about it. If... Andrew Suarez had a deadline of like June 1st where he could have opted out and become a, a free agent, basically, if the Cardinals didn't get him to the big league roster. I wonder if maybe there was a scenario, and again, this is off-the-wall speculation, no reason to mention it, but it kind of lines up when you think about all these guys being lefties. If the Cardinals said, well, maybe we want to kind of mix things up again. If we're not ready to commit to Libertor in the starting rotation and we don't want to give up on Steven Matz in the rotation yet, which I think, again... This is not the way it's trending. But hypothetically, they could put Matt's back in the rotation. They could send Libertor down and bring Andrew Suarez up. If they told him, hey, don't opt out of your contract on June 1st, we're going to bring you up. Maybe that could be the way they go about it because I don't think Libertor should be in the St. Louis bullpen. I think he should be in the rotation. And if he's not, he'll probably go back to Memphis and, and should remain a starter there. Ideally, he's in the rotation in St. Louis. There's nothing left to, for him to show, in my opinion, in AAA. You're wasting your bullets with him there. Get him to the big leagues and see what it looks like for six, seven, eight starts until mid-July. That's the way that I think they need to handle Matthew Libertor. But if they don't, 
Andrew Suarez is maybe an off-the-wall name that you could see um, coming to St. Louis Friday. Don't expect it. I'm just trying to cover all the bases here, and I also don't know in terms of uh, the Memphis Redbird game on Thursday if Andrew Suarez got into the game because if he pitched, that would also be another sign that I am barking up the wrong tree. But like I said, I think what you're ultimately going to get is Matthew Libertor in the rotation and Steven Matz in the bullpen where, honestly, I think he could be good. I think Steven Matz could have a role in the bullpen and could give the Cardinals some you know, some valuable innings in middle relief. I'm not saying he's going to be a leverage guy necessarily, but you know how it goes. They, beggars can't really be choosers when it comes to having leverage and, and having just middle relief. You've got only so many bullpen guys, and with the way the rotation hasn't been going deep, you know, it's just kind of a matter of you just got to take who you can get on a given day. Uh, let's see. Mason Wynn went one for six. Um, Baker, one for two, had that home run. Three walks tonight for Luke and Baker. Up to 1065 on the – I mean, he's drawing walks and doing a little bit of everything offensively. I would bring him up, man. Taylor Motter with a double tonight. Dakota Hudson was the starter. Here's another guy. I mean, Hudson with the 5-0 ADRA. I know – I know that nobody wants to hear it, but he was injured early in the season. Five innings, two runs, seven Ks, only one walk. It's always the walk numbers I'm looking for with Dakota. And I also would like to know how many strikes he threw. Only threw 71 pitches, 45 strikes. That's an efficient five innings. I'm not saying bring him into the rotation, but I could see a scenario where if they get injured down the road and they're looking for somebody, like you might want to give Dakota a look if that happens in early July. Because if he gets a starter too and it looks better than you expect, that may be a reason not to go after a, a starter via trade, which I know people are hearing right now and saying, shut the hell up. That <laughs> that does not sound like fun to any Cardinal fan. But I, I'm just trying to, to come up with some scenarios that could happen as we keep looking at the uh, Memphis box score from tonight. Get another look at it here. Uh... Romero was in, yeah, okay, so no Suarez in that game tonight. And I didn't ask Jeff if he happened to see him down there in Omaha. So who knows? Who knows on that? I'm barking up some weird trees right now just to see what I can come up with. Uh, Scotty says, good morning, Cardinal Nation. Two days without a defeat. That's true. No losses in a couple of days. Hope you're all well. And he says, can't wait to see Jordan Walker back in the lineup. Yeah, a lot of Cardinals fans are rightfully excited for that, Scotty. So welcome back in. Matthew says the walk rate is up there since dropping back down to triple eight, uh, triple A. Hopefully not a mirage for Jordan Walker. Yeah, more walks, more balls on the line, more balls in the air. That's all the kind of stuff that they're looking for with Walker. And I again, I think it's stuff he could have figured out at the big league level. The problem was they didn't have the room to put him in the lineup daily to let that happen, I think is ultimately the reasoning there. Brian says that Bieber would be a bad move. I only think it would be a bad move if it costs them as much as I expect it would. You know, sometimes trades get get made at the deadline and you go, whoa, wait a minute, that ends up being cheaper than I thought that guy would go for. And that is sort of what I look at if it's a Bieber move. If they can get him for less than I imagine, then you do it. Because even if the peripherals aren't great, I think there is a floor, and I don't think the bottom completely drops out for a guy like him. He's done it for at a Cy Young level for long enough that I think even if he's not who he once was, he can still be pretty good. And it's still a worthwhile target, I think, for the Cardinals. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to find the hero, uh, hero there, 314, what his initial comment was. We may have already talked about it, but he said I was happy they brought him up. Oh, happy they brought up Jordan Walker, I assume is what he's saying. Um, Baker to the Rockies. Einstein says, I've said said it here before. They would love Hicks. Would you give up those guys for a Herman Marquez who would be a rental? Interesting. Okay, but the problem with this is Jordan Hicks is also a rental, right? He's a free agent after this season. So I if he had years of control, it might be a different story. And, and the Rockies might have interest, but they're going nowhere fast. Herman Marquez has only made four starts this season. I guess he was injured earlier has a 4.95 ERA. I like Marquez. I think he would be a worthy target. Um I just don't think the Hicks part of that actually works out. Because if you're the Rockies, 
I do think Jordan Hicks would make sense for them in terms of, you know, we've talked about the different reasonings when it comes to like his style of pitching is not relying upon a curveball. So you just take that, that sinker in altitude and say, go get him cowboy. And, uh, and the slider with the speed that he throws it, 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 yeah, he should be able to thrive in the altitude. I would actually think, but looking at Marquez four, nine, five ERA in 20 innings this year, you know, I like the guy, but I, it, I just don't know that it is. It could match up. It could, I would certainly say for 2024 in that rotation, you could do a lot worse. I just don't know what the match would be in terms of a trade from the Rockies angle. Baker, for sure, who's the pitcher that goes there uh, because Hicks is, is a short-term asset. All right, trying to roll through some of these comments that I haven't gotten to yet. Brian says the strikeout rate on Shane is down big time. Everyone sees the Cardinals call one-star farm, but a team like the Dodgers could pick him up for near to nothing. Yeah, I feel like the Cardinals do run into the the notion of what Brian mentioned there recently when it comes to trades. Everybody knows, oh, the Cardinals have Jordan Walker. The Cardinals have Mason Wynn. If we're trading with the Cardinals, we got to get those guys or a Brendan Donovan or a Lars Newpar like the Athletics wanted with uh, Sean Murphy in the offseason. Like they, they see and get fixated on the, the top names, and the Cardinals can't very well say, okay, yeah, those four guys you can't have, but you can have any of these. John Mazzalek has tried, and it hasn't worked. It has not been a, a successful strategy to get trades done. It's allowed the Cardinals to keep guys that, honestly, they shouldn't have given up, but it hasn't turned into actual deals being facilitated. The one thing I'll say, Brian, though, is he says, look at what the Padres pulled off for Soto. They gave up Mackenzie Gore, who was a, a top pitching prospect at one point in time. Like, not just top in, in their organization, but top in MLB was like a number one overall prospect at one point, a former number three overall pick. And he's got a 3.57 ERA this year for the Nationals, better than anything the Cardinals have, and the guy is 24 years old. So if he stays healthy, the Nats end up doing very well in that portion of the trade, and the Cardinals did not have a pitching prospect like that to offer. And so that's where the Padres stood apart from anything the Cardinals could have given, even if they would have traded Carlson and all the other names. Man. Doing everything I can to not hack all over the camera right now. But allergies have been killing me. Uh, let's see here. But yeah, Brian, to your point, I just think that don't poo-poo the return for Juan Soto. I think the Nationals did pretty well for what they wanted to do. Uh, they got Robert Hassel, I want to say, was part of that deal. And he's a younger outfield prospect that is not uh, has not arrived yet. C.J. Abrams. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of comparable to to like a Dylan Carlson, I think. And Carlson was probably even more valuable than Abrams. But the pitching is really where the uh, they were able to stand apart in terms of the Padres. Cardinals didn't have a gore that they were that they even had to give away if they wanted to, and they certainly probably wouldn't have given away a, a McKenzie Gore-type prospect if they had one. Nick Whitgren will save us, says Visual Tedium. Yeah, you never know. Everyday Nick. Uh, Einstein says, you see the passing article where they speculated on a Goldie trade. One of the, one of those, uh, this GM said they might trade him type of thing. Uh, also interested in, in there to me is the same thing for Aaron Nola. Nola would be great for the Cardinals. That is the kind of starter they need. And, and I would pay for if I'm the Cardinals, I would, I, it would be painful, but I would do it because I think he is the kind of guy. He's the kind of guy that, that could be a really good fit. Um, but in terms of Goldie, no, I don't buy it for a second. That's just national guys having to do national guy stuff. They don't have they don't have the insight that they sometimes I'm gonna phrase that wrong. They have great insight, but they don't national guys kind of fly in and say, Oh, something's going weird with the Cardinals. What can I find out about it? And it's like they, they are not around every day. Sorry, I'm having a hard time. They're not around every day to kind of have the pulse of the clubhouse and the pulse of the team and the way things are. The Cardinals are not a team looking to sell. Um, I get it that you could look at Goldschmidt and say that now it's a short-term asset and, you know, he's not under super long-term contract anymore. But the Cardinals are not looking to sell Paul Goldschmidt. So I didn't read the article. I get that it's out there. I just don't see it. I mean, unless they unless they think Luke and Baker is going to be the next star, then maybe that's what it is, guys. No, I think they would rather re-sign Goldie to keep him a Cardinal for life than trade him. So... Corn wants to buy low on Biebs and let Dave Duncan work his magic. Oh, wait. 
Yeah, can't do that anymore. Did they screw up Paulie when they put him in the three-hole, that one weird getaway day lineup? I would say no, but, like, anything is kind of possible with DeYoung. You, you can't always figure what is the thing that kind of he fixates on or whatever. I You just, a lot of times I would agree, don't try to change a lot with Paul DeYoung because when is vibing, just let it vibe. Uh, but, no, I would like to think, Corn that one day in the three-hole did not screw up DeYoung. I think it's... I think that's an oversimplification, but I understand the question. Slim Hot Pocket says, excited to see Walker live tomorrow. I think he'll have a big series in a Paul DeYoung turn, return kind of way. Yeah, I, that would be nice to see. And uh, Brian says, glad to see Walker back. Going to be in Pittsburgh for the game as well. So a couple of live uh, stream commenters will be at PNC Park tomorrow, which is great. Brian, I don't know who's going to be on the bump there. Uh, Ryan wants to trade O'Neal for Cease, and I've talked about this before. Tyler O'Neal has zero trade value. He does not have Dylan Cease trade value, so that is not an option for the Cardinals. The White Sox would laugh at you if you said trade O'Neal for Cease. Um, I, I, they would want younger players, players that are under more team control, players that aren't on the injured list all the time, and players that are uh, hitting for a higher OPS than 620. So... O'Neal could come back and regain some trade value, but right now he just doesn't have a lot. I think you could trade him for a reliever. That's about the story. Uh, Einstein also adds, dude, the Nats got James Wood, who is absolutely a number one prospect in the making. His bat is insane. Yeah, I believe he homered tonight in double A, James Wood, his first chance there. So the Nationals did really well in the Soto trade. I, I, I'm i going to, you know, the Cardinals could have matched the, the package, but again, you're talking Walker and prop, probably Mason Wynn in addition to Dylan Carlson and whatever pitching prospects they could convince the Nationals were actually good, which is not to say the Cardinals don't have good pitching prospects. They just did not have a McKenzie Gore in terms of readiness and acumen and high-end ceiling. They didn't have that guy to offer. Tim, what's up, man? Asked how it's going. Corn wants to know if Walker could be a first baseman in the future in a post-Goldschmidt universe. Yeah, it's possible, but I think at 21 years old, they don't want to they don't want to limit him to a to that. They want to see if they can turn him into an athletic corner outfielder because he has a great arm, um, just ha has to work on a lot of the other aspects of playing the outfield. And again, he's 10 months into it, so I think there's still time for Walker to be that. But I understand the question. Like The body type certainly does seem like it would develop into a first baseman uh, type of guy rather easily. So I get that question for sure. All righty. Um... Brian says, do you need to see, do you see a need to pick up an outfield bat at the deadline? We had too many now. It seems that we don't have enough. Ryan says we have seven outfielders. I don't see the Cardinals having seven outfielders. Who are the seven? If you're counting guys like Juan Yepes and Moises Gomez, then sure, my Oscar Mercado, I guess. But like realistically, you kind of know the role for a guy like Burleson. Newpar is one everyday outfielder. Jordan Walker is two, hopefully now. Dylan Carlson as the third. That's what's going to get interesting because we haven't seen a lot of Newt Bar or Walker in left field. And I think Dylan should be the center fielder if he's in the lineup. And so when he comes back, would he play center and Newt Bar to left? I don't think you can move Walker to left. I think you just need to, to stick Walker in right and hope that he can develop over there. Um, it's not that Newt Bar can't play left. We just haven't seen a lot of it. And so I wonder if that would be the way that they would maybe go. To answer the question, though, like, yeah, there's a world where Carlson doesn't hit and you end up with some injuries or you don't end up being able to use Jordan Walker every day. Donovan is not an outfielder. Edmund is not an outfielder, uh, Ryan, but they're both playing there now, so I understand your point. Uh, Tyler, again, is technically on the team, but, guys, I, you, you got to count him like he's not there. I'm telling you. Right now, that is the way the Cardinals – have got to view it. And so it's a fair question to say, should the Cardinals be considering outfield at the deadline? If you remember when I said Brian Reynolds, he's a stone cold killer, go get him. If you can get an outfielder of that caliber, and I don't know who's going to be available at the deadline yet to know, but if you can trade for a guy that you can stop asking the question of who's in this outfield and you can stop the madness of the merry-go-round, you do that. Um, yes, the, that, that's a need Having one more just top-end bat, and if it can be an outfield bat, I could see that being a need for the Cardinals, absolutely. And I think it would be beneficial for that bat to be a lefty, a left-handed swinging bat to kind of offset your stars of Contreras, Goldsmith, Arenado from the right side. You can join a lefty with Gorman 
and have five just bonafide dudes, and then I would count Newt Bar as a lefty, and, and it really balances things out. If there is a lefty, left-handed swinging stud bat out there, but you've got to know that he's an upgrade over what you have, and you gotta got to have – and you pay for that guy. If he's out there, you pay for him in terms of giving up a lot of talent to get him, but you got to know for sure. It can't be, well, he might. Well, maybe this guy could develop. No. If there's a bonafide outfielder out there, you trade for him. Anything less than a bonafide, no thank you. You you don't need to add confusion to it. You need to add the guy that solves the mystery, which that can be done by addition of another name. I know that can sometimes be a complicated thought, but if that name is the guy that is clearly head and shoulders above your other options, then I like the idea of it. Cattell Marte was a name that was brought up. He's had a really good year. He's kind of been a guy that's gone on and off throughout his career. He goes from 700-something OPS to 9-something, 7-something, 9-something, 7-something, 828 this year. That's been the back and forth of his career for the past five, six years. Um, but he's a solid bat, probably a good defender. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you put him in a corner. I, I'm trying to check here where he has played defensively for the most part this year. Um, he's mostly been a second baseman. But you could probably stick him in the outfield. Yeah, the outfield numbers aren't good. Very, very much in the minus category on the defensive run saved over his career as an outfielder. Um, yeah, Brent, Brian Reynolds would have been the perfect, Brian, the perfect name for the St. Louis Cardinals. Unfortunately, the Pirates started playing well and they extended him. <laughs> and now he's around in the division long term. Good for the Pirates, though, and good for their fans that they extended him. There's no reason to let that guy go, or you're just not trying. He is a stone-cold killer. Honestly, Brian Reynolds would have taken the Cardinals lineup and made it top, probably top two, top three in all of MLB. I was a very big fan of that idea, um, but yeah, they couldn't do it. Uh, Yepes is not long-term. I think they'll cut ties with Tyler. Carlson is hurt every other month. Well, I don't agree with the Carlson injury thing, although, I mean, he had the wrist last year, and now he's got the ankle. But he sprained his ankle. Like, he was playing well and sprained his ankle. I don't think that's something I really hold against him. Agree with you on Yepes. He's more of a bench bat, and and they don't really seem to value him off the bench because he doesn't have defensive versatility. And they feel like they can get other guys that can bat just as well, and they can also play defensive positions, which is more valuable. And they will cut ties with Tyler O'Neill. That is my expectation. I would look for a team that has a, a hole in their outfield, but they've got a short-term stud reliever that you could – could flip him for, and I would trade O'Neal for a reliever. It, it has gotten to that point um, that I just don't, not because I don't think he'll turn around and be a Rosarena. I promise you, wherever he goes, knowing the Cardinals' luck, he's going to turn into a stud wherever he goes. But the Cardinals don't seem to trust him, and they don't seem to want to wait around for this on-again, off-again when it comes to his health. Uh, Slim Hot Pocket says the Yankees have a slick center fielder that just got injured. We could dump someone like Montgomery for him. Obviously, a reference to Harrison Bader. The Cardinals need Montgomery. <laughs> they, they need to. They could trade a guy like Montgomery or Flaherty at the deadline, but only if they're bringing in another starter like a like a Shane Bieber or a Cease to replace him. And then you're just playing musical chairs with your rotation. And is it guaranteed to work out? Um, I don't know if it's necessarily guaranteed to work out. We have had a lot of good fun talking tonight about Jordan Walker possible trades. Steven says, the question is, can our other assets bring in anything that we need, uh, starters in particular, in a deal? Yes, Steven, the Cardinals have assets to make trades. They definitely have those assets. Does the president of baseball operations have the the wherewithal and the, the, the agility to be nimble enough in the market in the middle of a season to do it at the deadline? We've never seen it. We've never seen those types of deals at the deadline from John Mosellock. And so they have the pieces to do it, but I just don't feel like it's Mo's MO, not to make a, a, a pun that's too on the nose. I just don't think it's necessarily his strength as a baseball executive as I reach down very slyly to grab my computer charger so that we don't die the live stream that way. I, I just don't know that Mo has ever really made those types of deals in season. His He's made good trades, but it's usually in the offseason where you have time to sit back and know, hey, here's what the market's doing. I've had two years to kind of circle the drain on an Arenado or a Goldschmidt, and now I know those guys are available. 
Like, those are the trades that have benefited the Cardinals. Brady Singer would be a good addition. Yeah, I mean, I haven't looked at his numbers recently, but he struggled really badly to begin the season. Um, he's got an ERA of seven. So maybe you're talking about a different Brady Singer, potentially. Must be a different Brady Singer, Ryan. Tim is getting the the Walker rookie cards graded soon. Uh, tops now parallels. I got some some Bowman first from uh, Jordan Walker that I picked up in 2020 in a in a break. Yeah, man, I, I think Jordan Walker is going to be legit. Should be exciting to see. I enjoy the trade talk that we've had tonight. I am going to wrap it up here. It's after 1 o'clock. Uh, we're going to go ahead and call it because I think I've gotten to everybody's comments for the most part. I'm at for 12 on Twitter. If I didn't get to your comment, go ahead and subscribe to my channel, guys, if you would be so kind. If you like the Cardinals content, you might as well subscribe anyway, and it helps me to reach my goals. Like the stream before you head out of here. And uh, we'll talk to you again on Friday night after the Cardinals take on the Pirates. I don't know if we'll go live that night or not. Just let me know. Like tonight, I put out the poll. People said, oh, don't, don't go live. Do do it pre-recorded. Like the pre-recorded podcast actually won the poll. And I decided not to listen because I wanted to test out some of the features I'm working on for the live stream. And uh, just out of curiosity, I wanted to see if anybody would be awake after midnight to join me. And you guys were. And so it was worthwhile. Um, but we'll we'll kind of bounce back and forth because I know some people prefer the lives. Some people prefer the pre-recorded. Happy Schaefer 12 on Twitter. Give me your feedback and let me know what you like, what you don't. Appreciate you guys as always, and we'll talk to you next time on B Shafe Daily Live. Peace.